Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, January 24th. Unsafe Space is a channel with lots of cool content fighting to save Western civilization. This show airs every Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, we're streaming on YouTube, um, but also Odyssey, Utreon, DLive. Uh, we're not on Rumble yet, but we probably should be. Uh, you can always go to unsafespace.com where we stream. We embed the stream there, so if we get banned somewhere, uh, you can always go there to find us. You can also go there to support us. If you're a supporter, you get cool grenade mug uh, or your name in the credits or both, depending on your level of support. Uh, but everyone gets access to our Discord server if you support us financially. Um, what else? Oh, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Um, it's mandatory slash... Uh, it's the thing that you should be doing, that you should continue to do, that you've been doing uh, every day, and that time is now, or something like that. I don't know. Or is that time every day? Um, what else? Someone says it sounds like I'm using a laptop mic. I can I can check. Maybe I am. Who knows? Stuff happens. Let's take a look. Uh, yes, you are right. I am using a laptop mic. Is that better? Beverly's job was supposed to, to tell me that, so uh, she failed. Here comes Carrie. Carrie was a little bit late, but all she missed was tech issues. Hey, Carrie. Hi. Not good. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I had tech issues. People were like, are you on your laptop mic? I was. I was on the wrong mic. So. Uh, yeah, this you know. is a... Uh... I'm reporting from an days. undisclosed location, and it's just, yeah, this is as good as it's going to get. Well, I can see you better than when we were chatting earlier. Like, you were literally, like, four pixels. It was, <laughs> it was like a blur. Like, I think that's Carrie's yeah. face. Um, so this isn't this isn't bad. It's better. Yeah. Um, I didn't tell them about, I did everything except for book club. I didn't mention book club. Would oh. you like to mention book club? Yeah, uh, you better start reading this book, Carter. Crime and Punishment. <laughs> I did. I start. Okay. I started. Look, see, uh, the bookmark is part way down. I started. That's, um, that's this coming Sunday. So you guys have a week to read if you want to join. It's always free to join and participate. And uh, oh, my husband says the microphone sounds good. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> One thing's working. Good. Thank you, Anthony. <laughs> He's like got the mic under control. It's just all the other stuff now. I'm like the lighting, this laptop's propped on some books about Jackie Kennedy. <laughs> uh, book club this weekend. Always free to join and participate. You can find out more info at unsafespace.com on the book club page. And thanks for yes. bearing with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Carrie, I think we should start. Did you see our graphic for today? I didn't. I didn't notice it until no, uh, I didn't. Before the show, I think we should start with the story that the graphic is about, um, which does require Beverly to actually be paying attention this time. Beverly, in in Notion, there's a TikTok video. Please pull the TikTok video up. Let Carrie see the TikTok video. I'm sure she will. Love it. I'm sure it will be, she'll have nothing but kind words to say about the school. Ugh, okay. She's not even in Notion. This is, you get what you pay for, everyone. 
Any, right, how right. about you tell us about your weekend while Beverly's figuring her shit out? Well, I just weekend? want to say, frankly, I'm shocked that you are on top of a TikTok video before I am. I bet I know which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> you probably do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it the, is it the West M Caleb one? No. Is it the woman screaming no. one? The woman No, screaming no, no. Oh, okay, good. No. Which one is it yes. I'm going to introduce you to you, a TikTok video. I'm going to tell you about West Elm K Caleb Carter. Do you know what this is? No. Okay. <laughs> There's thousands and thousands of posts about it. There's even mainstream new legacy news articles about it now. And for anybody who's like wondering, especially if you're a parent, what is this about? It all started with some TikTok user who was posting about a guy who ghosted her named Caleb. And then people started, other TikTokers started asking, is that West Elm Caleb? Cause he, and they all realized they had dated, many of them had dated the same guy and he had from Tinder and he had ghosted all of them after <laughs> sending them, sending them all the same playlists and, and sometimes copy and pasting the same messages to them about how, how much he loved them and how special he's a they were. Yeah. Total player. But what was interesting about it is how, I guess, how it became a thing, how it even became news. I mean, who cares? And I thought, uh, anti-hero Kate or no, actually, Anta Kate's ghost on Twitter, <laughs> who, who goes by the name Justice, uh, said something to the effect of, this is basically just a story about our culture and about these female sluts are upset that this man was a slut. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she went really, she went really hardcore on it, but she's not wrong. I mean, that's what this culture is. What do you expect? You're on Tinder and you're hooking up with people. And you're you're like, wait, this guy hooked up. I can't believe that someone engaged in hookup culture with me on a hookup platform. And then ghosted me. Yeah. yeah. And then and uh, then yeah. responding to me. It's like I, I don't do we, know. Wait. I just Okay. Wait, before before this video plays, let's let's uh do we need to do we need to tell the young ladies out there? Because I think maybe there are young women who really think that the way to, to land a man like for like a good partner. The romance that you want, it doesn't come from Tinder. Like that, that if you want to go have casual sex, by all means, I'm not going to stop you. But it's casual sex. That's and, what you're having. You're and, not getting. This is not a relationship. Yeah, and she. And by the way, this uh, she goes by Midwest Mitwit now. If you want to follow her on Twitter, she had some very good points about this. And one of them is, statistically speaking, women women self-report that they they only only seven percent or they only orgasm seven percent of the time with with one night stands it's like so you're not mm. even getting enjoyable sex especially for women i think uh it, it's true for men and women i believe but but more so for women what you're doing is your your body is creating bonding hormones to this person that you're having this one night hookup with and sometimes you're getting chemically bonded. Your body's releasing oxytocin and you're getting chemically bonded to the wrong people. And, and so and in then defense, upset that they ghost you. Right. And I would say <laughs> in, in defense of uh, look, everything up is down, down is up. Everything that we used to think was cool is uncool and vice versa. And <laughs> look in defense of waiting until marriage, uh, I would say it's so deeply uncool, that. right? I mean, um, it's so deeply uncool. But let me tell you, it's not uncool in some ways. <laughs> Think about it, because you want to make sure you you're, you've met the right person to chemically bond with that you want to create those emotional connections with. In some ways, like nobody's telling women this anymore. Nobody, t I wasn't told this. 
the culture's not telling women this. The culture's telling women, go have a sex with as many people as possible. It's empowering. It's about claiming your well, own and, and it's consequence free. There will be no yeah. downside to this. Yeah. Right. Like, and there's not, there's nothing in life has no consequences. Right. There's everything has pluses and minuses. Right. Casual sex included. Yeah. So all I'm saying, girls, is is hip to be square. That's it. Okay. What are you going to tell? I'm not going to make that particular <laughs> argument, but uh, you know, I do. We could go down a rabbit hole at some point because I think I actually think there is. Um, I think there's merit to unpacking the difference between sexual and and long term relationships. Like there's a there's different things that you look for in partners, um, and that you should look for. And I think there's actually a lot of interesting and unsolved problems with how you actually navigate that. But that's a separate long story. And this TikTok has nothing to do with that. So let's okay. do the TikTok. Okay, okay, I've got to rant for a minute. Just when I thought school couldn't get any weirder, it did today. I'm a sub, and the most important thing we do is take roles so the school gets paid. So I'm looking at the seating chart as I'm going up and down the rows and marking who's here and who's not. I get to the third row and I hear this, meow. Excuse me? Excuse me? I start looking on the ground. Go to the fourth row, everything's good. Go to the fifth row, everybody's there. Then I hear, meow. I'm like, okay, what's up with that? Who's doing it? And this little girl in the very front row says, you have to meow back at him. He identifies as a cat. Are you kidding me? Said, is there a litter box in here somewhere? My sarcasm self probably shouldn't have said that. Gets up and he storms out of the classroom. And I'm like, rough. And of course, the entire class is laughing. And I think, oh, no problem, no foul. I go to the office. You ready for this? You check out. They said, we no longer Oh, oh, need your oh, services. If you did, she get fired. Yeah, we no longer. <laughs> she, they, we no longer need the your sis. services if you, if you can't, can't identify. Identify with yeah. all the children in the classroom, and you wonder why they don't have any subs. That's I enough. We don't have to listen anymore. Okay, I just want to say a couple things. Uh, I think that this woman. I'm not saying this. I have no idea. But I hesitate to believe this actually happened. <laughs> yeah, me too. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because as yeah. we've talked about, we have no idea. It could perp it could have happened? Yeah, it could have happened. And we are we are heading to that place if if we're not already at it. Yeah. Um. But her something's off with her anyway. So <laughs> like, mm -hmm. eh, eh. yeah. Just because you want to hear a message doesn't mean that you should always just take it bait line. What is it? Hook line and sinker and Hook, bait line and sinker. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if bait's involved. Hook, line, sinker. Take the bait. You can take the bait and swallow it hook, line, and sinker. There you go. Uh, I have a problem. I mix metaphors all the time. But yeah. Well, those it. are both fishing metaphors. I think it's fine. Yeah, it's all one. one thing. You can do it. Anyway, uh, something seems a little off about her, but you're right. That's yeah. where we're headed. And there are already people, if you're not aware, Twitter's sort of a good canary in the coal mine. That's the way I view it. It's it, it shows you where things are headed because yeah. for some reason, even though we've talked about before, it's a very vocal and angry minority of people who are pushing the culture in this direction, in this sort of 
identity-based Marxist and postmodernist nihilistic direction, they're um, they're very loud. And you don't need the whole population. You just need like 10%. Have studies shown that? You just need a dedicated 10%. Oh, yeah. You only need a few percent because most people, I think it's actually related to the Ash Conformity experiments that you've talked about before and some of the um, Milgram experiments, which is which basically both point to this idea that the vast majority of the population is happy to not think for themselves and go along. And yeah. so the, as a result of that, you don't actually need, if you think about all of culture being moved by the last 30% or whatever it is, well, yeah. then you really don't need, you know, 16% is a majority of that remaining 30% and you're done, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it. So so that it's a, it's a vocal minority of people, but they are leading the culture. And they are influencing politics, uh, you know, they're influencing corporate culture, they're, they're, they're changing. I mean, look at M&Ms. We can talk about M&Ms as well. We can talk about M&Ms. But, yeah. but, but so Twitter is sort of a, a canary in the coal mine of where things are headed. And if you look at Twitter, there's a growing contingency of these people that we were told, hey, that's that, that doesn't represent woke. That's not where woke is going. Yes, it is. There's a growing contingency of people who are identifying as minor attracted persons, i.e. pedophiles. Uh, and yes. and there's a growing community of people who are identifying as um, uh, as cats. And I'm trying to remember the they have a they have a fancy word for it on there, too. Uh I can't. If somebody in the chat knows um, what they're calling like it's themselves, some kind of a furry thing. Yeah, it's yeah, but they don't call themselves furries because furries are people who like to dress up in the fursuits and oftentimes, no. not always, but sometimes have anonymous sex in the fursuits. These are people. Is it who, the one where they put the the appendix is kins, like a something kin, like a dragonkin uh, or whatever kin? I think no? some of them go by yeah, like dragonkin, but the, but there's a specific word they're using, like map and and. Oh okay. Let's see. Somebody said. Somebody yep. in the chat said nuts. <laughs> Weirdo yes. kin. Yes, they're going other by kins. Someone says other kins. That might be a thing. Yeah, other kins, I think, is a that's thing. That's one. That. Other kins. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot more of those people on Twitter than there used to be. So, yes, that's where it's going. That's yeah. where it's going. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and in since uh, since we were talking about the craziness with with kids and how you can't tell, like, yeah, I can't tell if this person is. Since, like, I don't know if this happened or not. Like, it, it could have easily happened. Someone in chat said they are putting in um, litter boxes in some school bathrooms. So, are you kidding? That's, I mean, again, that's a person in chat. I don't even remember who it was. So, I can't even speak. I can't even vouch for them because I don't remember who said it. But, well, hey, it's an anonymous source. New York Times should run with it. That's right. It's an, an anonymous source. It actually is not anonymous. Their name was there. I just don't oh. remember it. So, uh, but, um, Beverly, pull up the article <laughs> um, says, by the Chronicle that says "Want True Equity." Sue Escobar says, "Faps, is that for attracted people?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, I know what it is. Okay, so one of the words is while Beverly's pulling this up, the people who identify as otherkins—that means they identify as animals. Right. They are having a schism with, they're having a fight with the people who are zoophiles. Those are people who like to actually rape and have sex with, with real animals. And on it's, Twitter. <laughs> so those are yeah. two legitimate, I'll put legitimate in quotes. Those are two large enough, we'll say, 
contingents yes. of society that there's a war going on between them? Yes. The otherkins don't want to be associated with the zoophiles because they don't. Who does? Because. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's gross yeah look at people in the chat yes this is happening <laughs> i get it other kids i totally get that yeah that's where we're at 2022 guys so this did you see this this is in the san francisco chronicle and it's got passed around actually um similar to this tiktok video can you believe what's going on um this is an article we don't have to read the whole thing but I'll read the headline. Opinion. Go back to that. Want true equity? I propose, modestly, forcing California parents to swap children. So this article is about um, this proposal, and it's written very uh, in a very kind of serious manner about how inequity can be solved because some parents have more resources than others. So if we have to, if we, if the state forces them to swap children. That will solve the problem. And it kind of reads like a straightforward opinion piece. I am 99 point. I'm, I'm more than the the likelihood that you'll survive COVID is, is my uh, confidence that this is parody. Um, so I'm, I'm very confident like, this is actually parody. It reads like Jonathan Swift's um, A Modest Proposal about the rich eating yes. <laughs> the poor. Um, yes. But I... Could you read through some of it? Because what's interesting sure. is there were other pieces, there are other things that have been coming out recently that are not parody, that are very right. similar to this. And that's why I think this person wrote this parody piece. But Right. But but this person is not, this person is a lefty, right? So it's a parody, but he's, I think sometimes when they write parodies, they're mocking the right, like they're mocking people who are afraid of them while simultaneously kind of wink, wink to all the other leftists, like, yeah, we kind of are going to go here, but we're going to make fun of it now as a thing we would never do, right? Um, it's like so the he gay says, man's chorus yes. when they did the video about how we're targeting your kids. They were trying to make fun of conservatives who believe that they're targeting children, but they're also kind of wink nodding. They're doing both. They're making fun of it while at the same time targeting your kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and look, the idea that you, I mean, maybe swap children is a little bit crazy, but the idea that the state owns your children and should own your children is not new. It's not actually radical among the Marxist circles. And so in the Marxist circles, it was written about in Brave New World as a, you know, one of those authoritarian utopian uh, attributes of a, of a society. So, you know, so he writes, if California is ever going to achieve true equity, the state must require parents to give away their children. <laughs> Today's Californians often ho hold up equity, the idea of a just <clears throat> society completely free from bias, as our greatest value. Governor Gavin Newsom says he makes decisions through an equity lens. Institutions from dance ensembles to tech companies have publicly pledged themselves to equity, along with diversity and inclusion. But their promises of newly equitable systems are no match for the power of parents. Mothers and fathers... Fathers and mothers with greater wealth, education, or other resources are more likely to transfer these advantages to their children, compounding privilege over generations. As a result, children of less advantaged parents face an uphill struggle. Social mobility has stalled and democracy has been corrupted. More Californians are giving up on the dream. A recent Public Policy Institute of California poll found declining belief in the notion that you can get ahead through hard work. My solution is simple. And while we wait for the legislation to pass, we can act now. 
The rich should give their children to the poor, and the poor should give their children to the rich. Homeowners might swap children with their homeless neighbors. I guess we can stop. I mean, I don't think, you know, he's like, now I recognize that some naysayers hopelessly attached to their privilege will dismiss such policy as ghastly, even totalitarian. But my proposal is quite modest, a fusion of traditional philosophy and today's most common political obsessions. So anyway, he kind of keeps going on. He quotes, quotes Plato. Um, so there's a, there's a book I've mentioned before that if you guys want to get an, a window into one of the utopia, like a utopia, a fictional utopia that the social justice people envision, it's called Woman on the Verge of Time. And I'm blanking on the author, but we read this when I was in college and I was being pulled into all this social justice crap over 20 years ago. Um, we read this book and it's fiction. It's basically, think of it like, um, you know, 1984 and Animal Farm or 1984 and Brave New World are sort of dystopian uh, future. They're set in the future and they're telling you, they're warning you about what could happen. Okay. So Woman on the, on the Verge of Time is a utopia. It's showing you, look how wonderful things could be if we enact social justice or third wave feminism or intersectionality, whatever you want to talk, call it. And so in that, in that futuristic utopia, feminist utopia, none of the kids are raised by their parents. They're all born from a test tube, just like in brave new world. And they're raised by a group of, um, uh, uh, racially diverse sexuality, diverse adults so that they have no attachment to mother or father and they're raised by, you know, because the, the social justice people think the ultimate virtue is like a lot of different sexualities and races and whatever, but all having the same ideology. It's like that. They're all raised with the same ideology, but with um, a diverse, racially diverse group of adults. And that's what they want. They want that. They think that's, they think that's best for the child. They think that the system knows best. Government knows best that parents are corrupt the kids well it will know best when they are in control yes and so <laughs> and so if you look at if you look at 1984 and brave new world so 1984 is like what happens you you could say this one could say this that 1984 is what happens when the uh, uh the right becomes authoritarian you you could also say if that's the case then brave new world is what happens when the left becomes authoritarian and in brave new world they're doing this thing like in woman on the verge of time they're taking the kids, they're raising them from test tubes and they're having these yeah. committees raise them because they think that's best. Yeah. I'm, I'm not convinced that the left as a whole actually has a unified vision of what they want, but, um, but I'm sure that there are pockets of the left that want exactly what you're talking about. There's, then there's probably some other kins that are upset by that for some reason and they want... Yeah, some other yeah. slightly different thing. I right? want something different. Um, <laughs> they each have their own interest group, and and in their fantasy, their interest group is is in charge of making decisions, right? Yeah. Um, B. B. Allen says few people would have children. Yes, but in these this, these futuristic novels, if you're looking at the dystopia of Brave New World or the utopia of Woman on the Verge of Time, they or the Edge of Time, they they don't have children. People don't have children. They they're, don't need to. You, they don't. You don't decide that you have kids. They just right. Make they're kids. just. They have them out of test tubes. Yeah. Like they create. They create children separate from reproduction, which I think I agree with you, Carter. A lot of people they don't. They've never thought through what this utopia looks like, but they don't have to. 
the ideology has a mind of its, it, it's sort of like, it's just, it's moving in a direction and they're all on that train and they're all going along with certain things, certain things that will get us there. Things like in Canada, they, they can take your kids from you. If you don't, if you misgender them right. or you don't validate their gender identity, they're moving there. They're moving towards getting rid of parental rights. There's a clip. I know you saw it. Um, a lot of people, it was going around this week. Um, it's an older clip from Melissa Harris Perry from M who was on MSNBC. Uh, Beverly, do you have that clip? Just in case people yeah, didn't see that. Yeah, it's in the notion, Beverly, right underneath. Go ahead and grab it. It's also yeah, in cause... Signal. Yeah, there you go. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not households, then we start making better investments. Lean forward. We have that's an advertisement yeah. for MSNBC. Yeah. And she's saying we have to get break through this idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families, that that kids belong to communities. And what does she mean by community? Government. Yes. To be clear. <laughs> yes, yeah. to be clear. So I, I saw some people on the right that were like, yes, actually that's based. And I wanna, I wanna, I wanna address that. What do you mean? I know there are people on the they like this. And I know there are people on the right who are like, what they what they hear when they hear that is they are thinking of church communities and that we all should look out for each other's kids and like this nice, like if you imagine oh. a community oh. from the 1950s, like, oh, we're all like that's not what these people mean. When when they say community, they mean some bureaucrats with the power the of the state and guns get to do stuff to you. That's not that's not the community, right? Um so you got to be careful like that's they don't mean there's a huge difference yeah. between dating someone and holding them at gunpoint while they have dinner with you. And that's the same difference as the communities that you guys are thinking about and what this lady is talking about in terms of community. Um, yeah, Scott says, FYI, that video is a few years old. Yes, I know it's yeah. a few years old. It This is this idea has been there for a while. They're just we're starting to see them more openly embracing it in terms of legislation. Like I said, in Canada, they're trying to get rid of parents' rights. Here in the States, um, Christopher Rufo has done a good job of not only highlighting what CRT is, naming it in such a way that to make it accessible to parents, but um, uh, causing them to back up off of it and pretend like it it doesn't exist in schools or, you know, they've, right. they've backed up, try to back away from it. Now he's doing a good job of, of pushing for curriculum transparency. And if you are a parent, if you're in any groups that are trying to push back against this, just, just the evil of, I would say the evil that's in the schools these days, um, curriculum transparency is, is really the next move I think is, is pushing for that and saying, why shouldn't we be allowed to see, the curriculum that you're teaching our kids, who would oppose that? They're opposing it. They're opposing it. There are op-eds they're writing now. It. Yeah, they're starting to say, hey, they're trying to figure out how to oppose it because it's kind of absurd to say that parents shouldn't have a right to, to see what their kids are learning. 
Um, but so it looks like the first tactic they're going to take is to say that it's a free speech issue. They're saying that if we if if they uh, consent to parental transparency to uh, curriculum transparency, that it could cause uh, uh, people to ban things from the curriculum, and that this is a free speech issue. I, I wonder what you have to say about that, Carter, because I have some ideas. I'll I'll pull up one of these articles. Well, I mean, look, I uh, <laughs> this is the pro look at a private school, by the way. You do have curriculum transparency. Uh, if you email the head of school at a private school and your kid is in that school and you say, I want to see the curriculum for blah, blah, blah. I want to see the science curriculum. I want to see the curriculum for whatever. You can get a meeting with the teacher and go through the curriculum. Or they, well, some some of them maybe will send it to you. Um, why? Because you're the customer. You're the customer. At public schools, you're not the customer. They're pretending that you're the customer. And it's hard for them to keep up that pretense if they won't be transparent with you because um, obviously in in, uh, in private schools, they have to be transparent because you're the customer. If a private school was like, we're not showing you the curriculum, uh, you'd be like, well, I'm taking my money and moving it elsewhere. <laughs> I don't trust you. Like, what do you mean you're not showing me the curriculum? What the <laughs> fuck? Right. But you can do you can do it at public schools because you're not actually the customer. And this is why public schools suck fundamentally. One of the fundamental reasons why they suck. And they will always actually be inferior um, because you're not the customer. The government is the yeah. customer. Right. And the government taxes everyone, whether or not they have kids. Um, they do it often. Schools are are funded either through a mix of federal funds plus property taxes, which has no correlation to whether you have children or not um, and, and whether those children are in those schools. So you have, you're so detached from actually being the customer. You know, like at best, the customers are, are the voters. Um, at worst, the customers are, are this nameless bureaucracy that's going to appoint funds to them. So of course so, they're opposed to it. <laughs> I have a, I just, by the way, the guys... customer has transparency. If a bureaucrat says, can I see your curriculum? I 100% guarantee you. They're like, yes, here it is. Yes, sir. Here's the curriculum. Cause, cause that's the customer. Yeah. I just sent you guys two things, Carter. One is a link to an article, but Beverly, if you could pull up the image first, cause this is one of those times where they change the headline you know, to see what hits or to change it if the, if the first one's not getting good. So the original headline, this was NBC News, and the original headline says, conservative activists want schools to post lesson plans online, but free speech advocates <laughs> warn such policies could lead <laughs> to more censorship in K-12 schools. Wow, you guys, you guys care about free speech now? Wow. <laughs> Conservative wow. activists want schools to post lesson plans online. I don't understand. Yeah. It, they've been, keep in mind, they've spent the last two years, at least, if not more, vilifying conservatives for their, in fact, they've listed free speech as a uh, a white supremacist idea. And <laughs> this is part of the, yeah. free speech is, is literally Nazism to them. It has been. And now suddenly, free speech is the good thing. Yeah. Um, what they change it to, by the way? Um, they changed it to. I sent you the link. Let me see. Uh, oh, the, the new headline is "They Fought Critical Race Theory." Now they're focusing on 
curriculum transparency in qu in scare quotes. Why is it in quotes? <laughs> you know why it's in quotes. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I'm just yeah. a rhetorical question. By the way, you want a red flag for anyone, either like any friend, anyone at work, anyone like anyone ever, government anywhere ever. A huge red flag is when they sidestep accountability, when they don't want you to see what they're doing yeah. and they or they want to remove measures of accountability. Good people don't mind accountability and they don't mind transparency. I mean, obviously, there's some exceptions if you're like, I guess, not that I think this is really an exception because I don't like the deep state, but like, okay, if you're a spy and you've got some spy secrets or whatever, you know, like, fine, you've got to keep some stuff secret. But in general, like... This is a huge red flag. This is a huge red flag. What the hell? By the way, most of these teachers are. Let's just be clear. And I'm not this. I'm not digging into teachers who are old and I did this for a while. But like the teachers that are being churned out now, the young teachers, there are questionable IQ. Um, they have been massively indoctrinated in universities to leftist, crazy, crazy leftist propaganda. They are not there to teach your child math more than they're there to indoctrinate them to the left. Like that's what they view education at. That's their goal. What possible thing could these people have? What possible legitimate reason could a teacher have in keeping the curriculum secret? There's, there's zero. There's zero legitimate reason for this. And the idea that this is not like you're going to have they're going to the mainstream media is going to provide them cover fire. Yeah, they would by way. acting like this is a like this is a crazy request. What are you teaching my kids is somehow now a fucking crazy request. Get yeah. the hell out of school. Get the hell out of public school, guys. I've got another or just meeting. fire. If you're if your kids are in public school, just fire the entire school board. Just if you like, if you really need public school, I disagree with it fundamentally. I think it's never going to actually work the way that you imagine it will. But at the very least, if you're one of these people that are like, Carter's completely wrong. We need public school. It's good for blah, blah, blah. Then get off your ass and, and like just wipe slate, wipe the slate clean with your school board. Just get rid of all of them and start over because that's the only way it's going to do what you claim it's going to do is if you've got better people in charge. Yeah. So I, sh I sent you. One more image, Beverly. This is a meme I saw that really for the for the male <laughs> yeah. for the moms who still have kids in public schools, if you're just listening and you're not watching, it's on the left you've got you've got Sandy from Greece at the beginning of the movie when she's wearing a sweater over a button up shirt. Super cute. She it says moms before asking what their kids are reading in school. And then on the right, you think you're gonna get badass Greece Sandy, but actually <laughs> You get, it goes even further. It's a picture of Linda Hamilton from Terminator, and she's got those two, guns Terminator out. Terminator Two, the good, the, two. the badass Linda Hamilton. Yeah, she's got those guns out and an AR-15, and it says, "Moms after finding out what's in their kid's school library." <laughs> yeah, the only thing I didn't like about this meme was I was like, "Why didn't they just use Sarah Connor from Terminator One?" It bothered me that there was a movie crossover there. But oh, I, I, I thought still... it was funny because you're expecting to see. Um, Sandy from Greece on the right. Oh, but you see it, them simultaneously, right? Yeah. It's not like one and then the other. You see them. You do? Anyway. My, my brain doesn't work yeah. that way. I saw oh, one. I, I saw the <laughs> meme and I saw them both. In fact, I first saw 
Sarah Connor from Terminator 2. I was like, because that's the picture that stood out. I was like, whoa, that's Sarah Connor. I've, I've seen the picture. I know it. The other one, I had to like take a minute and go, where's that from? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Like, it's okay. Oh, somebody says, oh, you're right. That's not an AR 15. That's an AK. It's an AK 47. But, it's, but the, joke being, the joke being, she has her guns out and an AK. Yeah, I think it's a Kalishnikov. I It looks like it. Because the guns are her arms. Do you get it? Okay, never mind. Yes, yes. No, I got that. And that was a good joke that you threw in. <laughs> it's, isn't it, there's something funny about explaining jokes when they don't land and then a person keeps explaining them and explaining them until until it's actually funny. That I can't, yeah. that, that's in my that's in my wheelhouse of what I find funny. Anyway. Okay. Jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good unless you have to explain it. Um it's like a person who does puns and nobody laughs like our friend Cecil Charles on Twitter. And then you just keep doing more and more puns until it's hilarious. And it actually, it will come around if you just stay with it. Yeah. <laughs> if you stay with it, it gets really bad. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. I think I just don't have the intestinal fortitude to stick with it through the downtime. That's my, <laughs> I give keep up going, keep going. Yeah. I'm like, All right, okay. Um, um, okay. So what else do you have to talk about? Because I have oh, okay. an, annou an announcement we could make. I, we were going to do it at the top, but we forgot. Oh, yeah, we did. I uh, I have a couple of other things to, yeah. to talk about, but I don't, I don't have to do it in any particular order. I think we should – the couple of things I'll throw out is I think we should do a little bit of a COVID update, and I think we should talk about the Ukraine a little bit. I want to do both of those. Um, okay. So an announcement that you some of you guys have noticed in the chat – um, my channel is now being the, ch the, I've never had a channel. I had a, I had a, I had a channel, but all that was up there was like a Pee Wee Herman video. So <laughs> now I remember the Pee Wee Herman video. Yeah. And I'm keeping it. Um, so we're going to be moving. Well, we're going to be keeping all the deprogrammed archives here, but we're also going to be duplicating not them. new ones, yeah. not new ones. So I'm going to be branching out with a separate channel for deprogrammed for new interviews. And if you guys want to see um, new deprogrammed interviews, it'll be on the deprogrammed with Carrie Smith channel. And then we're also going to put up some archives. If you go there now, I think all that's there is one old, like the very first interview I did with you. Uh, oh, that's, the one that's there, that, but nothing else. Yeah, the one that led to us working together. Um, that one, and then the Pee Wee Herman videos there. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll put here, I'll say something in chat so you guys can find it. We'll have uh, to be better about, we'll, we'll, you'll get the other videos up soon, but yes. Oh, Beverly's yeah. got it. There you go. This is Please it. And so I did an interview with Billboard Chris, who is the father I got to meet here in Texas uh, last month, who's traveling around the U.S. and Canada with his billboards talking about um, how children can't consent to puberty blockers like something right. very basic as a father. And he's just trying to get this message out there and get people to question this belief system one conversation at a time. And I think he's, I think he's incredible. So that one's going to be out sometime this week or next week. So if you guys want to follow deprogrammed, you can do that. And yeah, somebody says old school Carter and Carrie, believe it or not, the tech in that video might even be worse than this one. Okay. <laughs> <Okay>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so. probably. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the consent issue with kids. I mean, Jesus, that's just such a. 
I think it's one of the things that he's when he does that, Carrie. I think it's one of the things that maybe some normies wake up and they're like, oh, they just haven't thought about it. Like, oh yeah, they can't consent to all this other stuff. Why do we say they consent yeah. consent to this? Yeah. Right. Um, he has so. a few things on his billboards that cause people to not all people. A lot of people just scream at him and physically attack him. He's had his arm broken and. You know, it, like, really? Oh yeah, he's been physically attacked. But other people, sometimes people do have conversations with him, and it does open the right, and they start to question because he'll say things like, you know, um, they're like, no child. He's like, no child is born in the wrong body, and get them to talking about that, or he'll just ask them like, what is gender identity? What does that mean? And try to get them yeah. to define terms the way Matt Walsh did. I thought if you guys haven't seen it. Matt Walsh was on Dr. Phil and I saw a clip of it. He was, he was there to argue against um, gender ideology. And I thought he did an excellent job taking the arguments to the mainstream that, you know, that's a mainstream show. It's normies watch it. And he, he, he just did a really great job. He asked these two gender, gender experts, experts, <laughs> wherever, uh, he asked them, what's a woman? And it's amazing. They can't define it. You know this, but they can't define but, even yes, a basic because, term. Because they're deconstructionists. So yeah. like, yeah, it's like, well, yeah, I don't know what a woman is, but it's not anything. That's for sure. Yeah. Like that's basically their, yeah. Yeah. Um, they're like, actually, it's sort <laughs> just of don't like say an, it's anything in particular. Cause I'll argue with that. Okay. Yeah. It's an yeah. Abbott and Costello routine. Yeah. It's like, it's like, what's a woman? And they're like, who am I to, to say? And you're like, aren't you a gender okay, expert? <laughs> aren't you just, so then what are you transitioning to? Well, they're like, a woman's anyone who identifies as a woman. Okay, but what is that? What are they identifying as? A woman? Yeah, but what is that? What is a woman? It's what they're identifying as. Yeah, but, <laughs> <laughs> but what is it? It's, it's, what, they're, it's what they're identifying What's as. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's a cat? It's no, anything. he's on third. Yeah, it's anyone who absolutely. identifies as a cat. Yeah, but what is that? What's a cat? Anyone can a dog be a cat? If a dog identifies as a cat, but what is that? A cat? <laughs> <laughs> who am I to define it? <laughs> Sorry, I thought you would. We could do this all day. <laughs> yeah, we could. We should stop. Uh, I like someone in chat says Brondo got what plants crave. Yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> but it has what plants crave. Are you a moron? But what is it? It has what plant, plants crave. <laughs> it's what plants crave. <sighs> someone says, no, I don't know was on third. Oh, was on. I don't I don't remember who was on third. <sighs> exactly. All right. Um, should we do a COVID update or should we talk about the Ukraine a little bit? Uh, let's do, do we have any super chats we need to read and then we can do a COVID Oh yeah, update. sorry. Good, good point. Um, G-Man, G-Man says, there's something off with all substitute teachers, those who can't teach, can't do teach, those who can't even do that sub. I, 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 I get your sentiment. I actually don't want to throw all substitute teachers under the bus though, because I can imagine being in a position where you like teaching, but you've got other stuff going on in your life and you just want to, do it part-time once in a while. Like uh, I can see that being a, I, a thing that you want to do. I have considered sure. subbing and my friend just started subbing and she loves it. I've, and, yeah. and I've, I've considered doing it because also, cause I want to be a Trojan horse. Sometimes I'm like, it'd be cool to be in there. Just see what is being so asked of teachers. People who identify as cats. 
<laughs> no, no, but well, ask them what is that? <laughs> what is a cat? <laughs> uh, no, because I kind of want to see from the inside what teachers are being asked to like. What is the new norm? What is the standard? What are they being right. asked to to push and to agree with and to validate? And I'm curious about that. And also, I like. I mean, I like teaching. I I I've admittedly I've only ever taught um, SAT prep. But that, it was fun. I liked. I didn't yeah. think I was going to like it, and I did. So, I I like teaching as well, but only motivated people. Mm -hmm. Um. So I spent a while teaching entrepreneurs, but they were all there because they like really cared because they were starting businesses, right? But if you try and teach a room full of like, I don't know that I would enjoy like a room full of high school kids teaching oh, math or something. I mean, yeah, it depends. Yeah, I had some SAT classes. I've mentioned this before, but. The ones at the rich school districts didn't seem to care as much. It was almost like their parents forced them to be there. And oh. and then, but yeah. then we did reduced price classes um, at some of the inner city schools. And those kids really wanted to be there. And those right. were fun classes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It just yeah. depends, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. Adam Coleman says, paying my dues also. Wanted to let you know I've officially started my second book. Oh, cool. Now to be nice. disciplined and write every day again. Respect, Adam. That is that's yeah. Great. That's not easy. Um, Andrew Joyner says, Sup me hardies. Sup, Andrew. Is that what you wanted to hear back? Sup. <laughs> I feel so uncomfortable. It's like when I try and say the word dope. It just feels wrong. I'm too old. Sup just doesn't work for me. It's like, what? Who's that guy yelling sup and dope? Fucking grandpa. All right. Um, <laughs> let's do a couple. So, okay. Did you see the Lancet article? Which one? That's going around uh, about the <laughs> pandemic being over. No, I'm. I that's what I thought. I thought it was over a long time ago. I'm glad they're finally telling us. Well, so this is, it, it's just interesting, right? Because, yes, I mean, right? This kidding. is written by a guy from the University of Washington. Uh, so the Lancet is like a weekly peer-reviewed medical journal. Um, but this is an editorial in the Lancet. But it's, you know, this is mainstream accepted science. Like, this is not, CNN can't call it fringe or anything. Like, this is, it's the Lancet, right? Um, and this guy is not against anything that's happened so far. Like, he's not. He's not Dr. Malone. He's not. He's mainstreamy in 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 his views. But even he is now saying it's over. Let's let me see if I can pull this up because I don't, Beverly. I didn't. Uh, I just have the PDF here, so I'm gonna have to just put it on screen myself. Let's see. All right. Uh, make that full screen, Beverly. We'll do this. Or don't. You know. Either way, I'll do it. There you go. All right. <laughs> so, um, so this is his this is his article recently, and this is making the rounds. COVID nineteen will continue, but the end of the pandemic is near. And he cites a few things. I'm not going to read the whole article, but he he points out that that Omicron is massively more infectious, and therefore we're going to see a lot more of it. 125 million Omicron infections a day in the world, which is more than 10 times the peak of the Delta wave in April. 2021. So huge, right? Um, but 
The proportion of COVID-19 patients in hospital who require incubation or are dying has declined by as much as 80 to 90% in Canada and South Africa, where he's got data. So he's saying, look, everyone's getting it. It's a much bigger wave. But even compared to the previous COVID, which, as you'll remember, you have a more than 99% chance of survival, uh, especially if you don't have comorbidities, even compared to that one, the new one is the the rate, the requirements of intubation or dying have gone down by 80 to 90%, which is huge. So he says, in countries where all hospitalized admissions are screened for COVID-19, a substantial portion of these admissions will be among individuals coming to hospitals for non-COVID-19 reasons who have asymptomatic SARS-CoV-2. And then he says, from December 21st, 2021 to January 17th, 2022, so just last week, COVID-19 cases increased nearly 10 times, but hospital intubations among COVID-19 hospital patients have remained the same as in December. So his point here is, look, this is basically, we're at, we're at the end of the pandemic. And he says, surprisingly, IHME, this is the health organization, um, Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation. IHME's model suggests that the transmission intensity of Omicron is so high that policy actions, e.g. increasing mask use, expanding vacation, vaccination, vacation, expanding vaccination coverage in people who have not been vaccinated or delivering third doses of COVID-19 vaccines taken in the next weeks will have limited impact on the course of the Omicron wave. So he's saying even these measures aren't really necessary. Increasing COVID-19 vaccine boosters or vaccinating people who have not been vaccinated is unlikely to have any substantial impact on the Omicron wave. Um, Wow. Actions actions to increase SARS-CoV-2 testing, for example, are likely to increase disruption by having more individuals excluded from work or school, but are unlikely to impact the course of the Omicron wave. In the era of Omicron, I believe that COVID-19 control strategies need to be reset. There's your great reset. Uh, He says the vulnerable can protect themselves during future waves when needed by using high quality masks and physical distancing. Uh, That's like heresy. Um, For example, the death toll from Omicron seems to be similar in most countries to the level of bad influenza season in Northern Hemisphere. So it's, he's saying it's like the flu. That's what he's saying. After the Omicron wave, COVID-19 will return, but the pandemic will not. So that's this guy's, that's this guy's assessment uh, of this thing. Yeah. There's Um, some, there's something very frustrating about, uh, I think it was Mid- Midwest Mitwit who I saw say this, and I agreed agreed with it. It's we're going to have to sit now and watch all of the cathedral, the legacy media, the politicians, everyone. We're going to have to watch all of them now say the things that we've been saying yes. for two years, and we're going to have to watch them pretend like they didn't ban people from platforms, censor people, uh, push propaganda, dehumanize us, uh, say that we wanted to kill people, call us parasites and murderers, um, anti-science. Dance on our graves when we died. Look what they did with meatloaf. You saw that, like dancing on the graves of people. Yep. Yeah. So we're entering this period now, and I don't know if it's, I guess it's there's good and bad things about it. It's good because at least they're it seems like they're backing off of the the narrative. They're t- switching gears now. 
Um, so that's good. It's just, I, I don't know. It's also bad because they're not going to admit what they did and they're not going to admit their role in it and that they essentially just decide. They just decide. They're like the pan pandemic. We've been saying forever, the pandemic will end when you quit complying. The virus is real, but the pandemic is part of the pandemic is manufactured. It's their response to it. It's the way they're treating it. It's the way they talk about it. And that's entirely up to them when they decide. And, and now it looks like they're all the establishments deciding it's time for it to end. Okay. Let's start putting out some media pieces about how it's ending. Let's start revealing some truths that we used to ban people from Twitter for speaking. Yeah. I, I, I would, I was thinking about this and I think that what's going on. So by the way, I relate to that sentiment that you're having, like, it's kind of frustrating. Right. Um, and of course, yeah, that sentiment is like, <laughs> I think a lot of people who have been are, like, I'm just, I'll just say it like, I, <sighs> this happens to everyone who opposes mainstream stuff like this, like, you know, you oppose government getting involved in healthcare and then say, hey, things aren't going to go well. And then they don't go well. And so it's like, okay, now they're going to like, it happens over and over again to anyone who opposes any kind of government thing that they're doing. You say, hey, this is, hey, the war on drugs isn't going to work. I wasn't even old enough to argue that when it happened, right? Hey, the war on drugs is, maybe I wasn't even born. Maybe was it 1970? I don't remember when it started. War on drugs isn't going to work, blah, blah, blah. Pashaw, Pashaw, now it's like, oh, okay, I guess you were right. But no one remembers, and you're just going to kind of start to make, you hear the same argument. So I, I, I think what's going on here, I think the establishment recognized something. I think they recognize that, first of all, what did they accomplish out of this? They have set massive precedents. Um, they have they have set the precedent that they can do um, they can banish uh, any non-government sanctioned treatments for illnesses when they come up um, in the name of pandemic like oh, like they they banished. I won't even name them because I don't, you know, I don't want to get in trouble with the AI bot that's scanning our video yeah. right now. But they they banished stuff that looked like it was maybe working. And not only that, they banished any conversation about it. it of course, it was stuff that was off patent, couldn't make any money for the pharmaceutical companies um, and had basically no downside. So there's no reason to not do it. Right. I mean, it's like saying you can't tell people to drink water I'm like, well, worst cases, it doesn't hurt. So who cares? They drink some water. That's not bad for them, right? So, right. you know, they they banned all this stuff and conversations about possible treatments so that they could emergency. You can't authorize an emergency use vaccine if there are treatments. Yes. So now there's no treatments. So now they have the rights to emergency authorized uh, vaccines. So now we've got an entire population that for children as young as five are willing to inject stuff into them that has been approved by the authorities, but not actually gone through the normal process. Um, and we're not allowed to question. We've, we've accepted that there's this othering and censorship that goes on. We've accepted that we get behind uh, Fauci. I mean, think about the leaders, the, the, the medical leaders that got to be tyrants. We've accepted that like, Oh, in the right situation, we can turn this, we can turn this, uh, segment of the bureaucracy into a, a tyranny 
and they will it will be accepted under this you know this is how we if we want to use the medical tyranny this is how it works um people were willing to accept uh destroying their economies and psychologies and doing real damage and and dying uh because treatments weren't uh available so all this stuff they they kind of they set a precedent about all the stuff that they can do in the future and i think they started to look and see that it was uh, diminishing returns to keep pushing on this um yeah. that pe- there was fatigue people were getting tired of it and the vast yeah. majority of the population accepted and so now they're going to i do think they're going to start rolling back some of these and and uh our you know, mistake set the our, precedent. yeah our, my my mistake and prediction was that i thought they were going to start rolling it back a year ago it's about a year after I thought it was. I thought as soon as they got Biden in there, they were going to start rolling it back, but they didn't. It's been a year longer than I thought it would be, but they're doing exactly, otherwise they're doing exactly what we thought they were going to do, which is to roll it back a little now, take the pressure off a little bit. Cause like you said, people have fatigue, but they've pushed things. They've pushed the norm. They've pushed what is considered acceptable, an acceptable overreach yes. of they've government. Changed the either Overton window or whatever you want to call yes. it. They've changed they've the, what's normal irrevocably mm-hmm. until yeah. until something awful happens they've changed it so so we're now at a place where when they turn the screws again in a year two years whenever they decide to turn the screws again they're now starting from a place like they made a major advancement in this push to restrict individual rights and for government to have more control over our lives um they really moved the football down the field the the mm-hmm. sports ball is they down did. the <laughs> the sports ball's down the field and so that's where they're going to pick up from next time and and if you wanted just a quick analogy or or for that think of the way we've talked about this before but think of the way after 911 they moved the the sports ball down the field quite a bit after 911 and they we have to do it why because of this tragedy to protect you for safety for safety for to protect you from terrorists just one right. small thing they did they did a lot during after 9-11 with the Patriot Act, you know, surveillance of U.S. citizens. But one of the things they did was this, uh, to say that the government gets to look in your bank account for any transactions above $600. I mean, no, above 10,000, above $10,000. Well, now And they said, okay, but yeah, so back then though, they said above 10,000. And the people go, well, that doesn't sound too bad. They're like, why do you have to look at my bank account for anything over 10,000? Oh, so we can find terrorists. Okay, I guess that's not that big of a deal. I don't have that many transactions over ten thousand anyway. Yeah, sure, you can see when I do that for my own safety, right? Yeah, for your own safety. So we're like, okay, look, cool. Nobody really, you know. Yes, there were people pushing back, and they're called crazy people. And so everybody becomes accustomed to it. The football gets moved down the field, and then now, years later, they say, "Hey, you know how you let us look in your bank account? You already let us do it. Um, yeah. All we want to do is is is." is now do it for anything over $600. And yeah, we just want to like, drop oh. a zero and change a digit. Like that's cool. Right. Yeah. And everybody's like, <laughs> Oh, but you know, but we already let you look at it. I mean, I guess you, you have a right to look in there. Cause we already let you, um, you're just asking we us to change the, the principle. Threshold. Yes. <laughs> we, we didn't argue on principle. That's like, yeah. it could have been the threshold could have been a million dollars. It could have been a hundred million dollars. It doesn't matter. Not we a, gave up on the principle. It gets to 600 eventually. It gets this kind of, and eventually it won't even be 600. It'll be 10 years from now, whenever they'll say, Hey, you know how you let us look in your bank account for anything over 600? We just want to look at your bank account. <laughs> oh, it will be. Do you remember? Well, of course you do, because it's your favorite book. In Handmaid's Tale, the money. Yeah. Yes. That's how it will be. It yes. will be, it will be the government controls 
your your yeah. access to your bank account completely yeah. and they'll do it with it through the banks the banks will help them yeah. um because the banks want to stay in business and they'll do whatever the government says yep yeah that's exactly yeah. what will happen yeah and so and so that's the way it is now with for any normie who might be listening if you sent this to a friend or family member or someone on the left who's starting to open their eyes and there are more of them every day if you sent yep. this to a, a, a liberal who's starting to wake up to some things and maybe feeling uneasy about some things, and if you're a liberal watching this and you have questions, here's the so that was an analogy about what they're doing with the bank accounts. Okay, now think of this, and maybe you haven't thought of the, this before, but if you give the government the right to do a vaccine passport and say, you have to show your, first of all, same government that says somehow it's impossible to show ID, that that's a, tra that's a racist travesty to require ID to vote. But to go to a McDonald's or to go in public anywhere, to go to any establishment, to buy groceries, you need to show a vaccine passport, okay? Government approved vaccine passport. If we become accustomed to that idea, how many years down the road will they wait? They don't have to wait many to say, hey, you know how you have to show your vaccine passport to go buy groceries or anything or go to work? And you have to look at the, the pandemic status. Is it red, yellow, orange to go to work? Or the, remember Patriot Act, the threat level, the terrorist status, red level. Yes. Yeah. Threat okay. level midnight. Oh, no, that yeah. was a different thing. Yeah, yeah. but they, they're going to do the same thing. Imagine it, it could be climate climate change. Okay. They're like, oh, it's a level red in your neighborhood today. Sorry, your passport doesn't allow you to go to work today. Yeah. I mean, look, this is, uh, we've talked about the ESG scores for companies. Yeah. The ESG scores taken to their extreme, which they will be taken to, they will merge with the the Vax passports, and uh, you will end up with China's social credit system. I so my wife, people know my wife's Chinese, and she's got business in China. She had a someone sent what they send. I forget. It was like paperwork, something. Someone received a package. A Chinese citizen received a package from the West from someone like they had shipped something and they opened the package. And then they posted on social media that their social credit thing went from green to orange or yellow or whatever it was, because now they they had contact with the outside. They could potentially be covid infected yeah. because they opened a package from the Western world. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my wife was freaking out because she had just like sent a bunch of doc like legal documents to someone at her company in China. And she was like, well, no one wants to touch it <laughs> because they don't want their social credit score. She's like, these yeah. are legal paperwork. We need to get it done. But like, she's like, well, I don't want my social credit score to go like from green or whatever the, the thing to go from green to yellow or orange or whatever it was. People think that this is ridiculous and that it's only in China, but it is not at all only in yeah. China. <laughs> like it yeah. is here. It will be, it's not rolled out to the extent that it is in China, but I, there's, we've already given up basically everything that would allow them to do. All the to principles have been seeded. All the principles have been seeded. And you know what they do? If you're just waking up and you've been a part of this and you've been, you were in it for a while, I'm not judging you. I was in social justice for 20 years. I woke up before this coop stuff happened so I could see I could see that more clearly. I wasn't if I had still been in the cult during all this, I might be one of these people just now waking up. Different things wake up different people. Um, you're on your own timeline. I get it. But if you're just now waking up, 
and you're like, some of this has gone a little too far. And let's say you were, you believed it and you were part of it for a while. Um, oh gosh, I lost my train. It was such a good point. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I got sidetracked. <laughs> I got sidetracked. I got sidetracked. Um, ah, anyway, I'll come back to it. The point is, well, it's okay. It's okay. I got distracted by the fact of making sure you you know it's okay that you're just now waking up. And if you were buying into it, that's okay too. Like it's it's okay to realize that you were wrong about something or you were being used and manipulated. Oh, I know what my point was. They used you. They used people. They used people to, they get you to demand to give up your own rights. They get the population to say, we want vaccine passports. Right, right. It's I'm laughing because I have to laugh because it's it, if I don't laugh, it's it's but it's they do, do that. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Yeah. Because they get people to go out in the streets and under hashtag resistance, resistance, <laughs> and demand to give up their sovereign, their rights over their own personhood, their individual liberties. They take it from us and my neighbor. Take it from my neighbor and also from me because you got to take it from me to take. But please take it from my neighbor. <laughs> That's what yeah, people do. But I think a lot of them are even uh, masochistic enough that they're like, I shouldn't be allowed to go out with a vaccine either. Yeah. Like they don't. Yeah, they they're are. not like they don't feel like, well, I wish there was like I. it's one thing to be sadistic and be like, I want you to force my neighbor to go out without a vaccine or, you know, with a vaccine passport. Yeah. But I wanted the freedom. A lot of them are just like, I don't want oh, the freedom. No, they're willing. Yeah, they're willing to give up their own freedom and their own. They love it. Right. They love it. And I think it's I think it's subby. Yeah. I think they're like, I want a dom. Will you be my dom, Fauci? Will you prohibit me from enjoying my life? Make me wear a collar and a vaccine passport, please. Yeah. Master well, see, Fauci. There's two types. They're the ones who push this stuff, the, the expansion of government, the expansion of uh, authoritarianism. And, and restricting individual rights. The, the one type of person who pushes it, they're, they're the elite. They're the people like Fauci. Who, of course. The rules, the <laughs> rules will never apply to them. Look at the politicians on your side if you're on the left. Oh, and look at the ones on the right, too. It doesn't matter. Look at politicians. Look at the elite. They have one rule for the masses and a different rule for them. Gavin Newsom will go out without a mask, AOC, all of them. Uh, Adler here in Austin, they'll fly to Cancun. Different rules. There was just uh, a New York City council. Right. Seven council members got caught doing the same thing. And New York City's like massively locked down. Yeah. So they yeah. have one one rule for them, like the pigs in Animal Farm, and a different rule for the sheep. You are the sheep. We're all the sheep. They're the pigs. Okay, but but the sheep who push what who push what the pigs want them to push, you're pushing it because a lot of those sheep are pushing it because they've they've been manipulated and they and they've really they're, like you said, either they want they want to be ruled over by the pigs, they want some kind of or they're Karens, yeah, yeah, they want yeah. they want authoritarianism. Um, they're okay with their rights being restricted. They're not like the elite. The elite don't want their rights restricted. They want to restrict well, yours. The elite aren't going to get their rights yeah, restricted. Exactly, exactly. They don't. They're not the same beast, basically. No, they're, not uh, at all. Yeah, not at all. And someone someone in chat earlier said that the banks uh, control the government, and and I. I don't know that I would say that the relationship is quite that simple, but it's not a bad distillation. And for years, when people say, hey, you can't have a free market without a free market and money, when people rail against the Federal Reserve and, and the banking system 
And everyone just thinks that's like either conservatives, usually conservatives think it's like a crazy leftist thing. Stop being, stop whining. You, uh, you know, the, the Occupy Wall Street people, just a bunch of commies. And granted, many of them were probably a bunch of commies, but like stop whining. And like, this is, you know, this is capitalism, blah, blah, blah. It's not capitalism. This is not a free market. It, it hasn't been a free market in a long, long time when the government has a monopoly on the currency. It's not, especially when they've got something like the federal reserve, um, with its, its hands in uh, the cookie jar and is in charge of the cookies and handing out the cookie. Like it's a, it's an oligarchy of sorts. Um, and, the banks are in on this. Absolutely, the banks are in on this. Not because they're they're like not because there's Ebenezer Scrooge like wringing his hands and being evil at the top. Just because yeah. they are intrinsically tied with the state and they are going to be pragmatists yeah. about it and do what they can get away with. Um, oh, and yeah. they don't have to follow these rules. I think I mentioned this before. I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I think I have. I have a. I need to be vague about this. I have mutual friend connection to a Rothschild. And when I say a Rothschild, I mean like a real fucking Rothschild. This person, I'm going to all be gender neutral on it to be as vague as possible. This person flies to European countries without a passport on this person's private jet. And when asked about it, their response was, what are they going to do? We'll just call their debt. If they don't let me in, I'll, we'll just call their debt. They, we don't have to, we don't have to live by the rules. They owe us money. The whole country yeah. owes us money. I land and I do whatever the fuck I want because they owe us money. Yeah. And like, it, I know that sounds weird and conspiratorial. I believe this story because of the people involved, and in, I like I know the people. This kind of stuff happens. There is a world. They are there are elites. They control the governments. They meet. They meet openly. Yes. World Economic Forum writes books about using COVID-19 for their great reset. You yeah. know, they meet openly. They meet also a little bit secretively at places like the Bilderberg Group or um, what's the one, the Bohemian <laughs> Club yeah. or whatever. Like they, they have secret meetings and they have open meetings. But Davos, like, but all this stuff, they are elites. You saw the video the other day, you literally calling themselves elites. Saying, oh, the good news, this was at the World Economic Forum. Yeah. Oh, the good news is that the elites trust each other more. They use the word, they call themselves elites. The elites trust each other more, but the, the peons, they didn't say peons, but the peons don't trust us as much the as they used the to. Public, so yeah. yeah. The public doesn't. Yeah. But you don't even have to know someone with that person. That's an, that's an amazing story. But you don't even have to know that. Just to know human nature, the more power that you amass, the less rules apply to you. That's just common. Any... I don't, whatever industry you work in, that that's a microcosm or whatever community or hobby group you're in that you can see how human behavior plays out in groups. The more power you amass, the, the less the rules apply to you. I used to work in the entertainment industry and just within the entertainment industry, you would see that the more fame a person has, the more power they have over other people. That's why monsters who've amassed a lot of fame and power get away with it out in the open like Harvey Weinstein forever because there's enough people who are enablers who know what that, that monster is, but they're either afraid of the monster taking something from them or they're afraid of the monster um, or they want something. They want something the monster has. They think the monster can give them 
And so they just, they're just enablers because that, that monster has a lot of power and a lot of fame. That's human nature. And that's in yeah, any and ecosystem. You can see that happening where you don't have yeah. to, there's fewer and fewer rules you have to play by when you, it used to shock me coming into the entertainment industry when I was first in it, kind of like coming from the normie world into this different ecosystem. Obviously this is going to make, I was young, I was naive, but this is going to make sense to people. But to me at the time I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Everywhere I went with our celebrity clients, um, people give them free things all the time. These are, and they're very wealthy people. So yeah. you would go into shops. I remember one time I went into an H and M with one of the celebrities I worked with and they're like, okay, you know, you can pick out this much amount of clothes for free. And I'm like, but this person has like a lot of money. <laughs> they don't care about the cost of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I get it. There's yeah. a trade off. I get it. I totally get that there's a trade and not everything. Like, there's a value to the celebrity wearing their stuff. And I get all of that. But at the same time, coming in as a young 20, 20 year old naive person, you're like, uh, like, and, and take someone who's really famous, like a Tom Cruise or something. You know, it's like they must get everything for free. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, I've it's been, just a there was rule. a couple. <laughs> there was a couple that I used to go to dinner with periodically. He was very famous. She less so, but he was pretty. And, and not when I say very famous, not Tom Cruise level, but pretty famous. Famous enough that he would get recognized. Yeah, I used to love going to dinner with them because we would order whatever we wanted, and inevitably at the end of the dinner, they would come over and be like, "Oh, dinner's been comped, sir." Yeah. Oh, that's what happened to me. yeah. He had plenty of money. Weird? Yeah, plenty of money. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Can I tell you a funny story about this one comedian I worked with? Um, sure. I actually, she's, there's a lot of things wrong with this person. She is monstrous, um, and woke, but she's still, still funny. Like that's the thing you get. The, there's still things about her. I find really funny. One of the comics I worked with, she, uh, we went to, it was at this film festival and this is one of the times where we went to the store and they said, okay, you can pick out one free outfit. And she was she was like not on the A list in terms of fame. You know they have that whole hierarchy. She was maybe right. C list, and the biggest star at the film festival was Helena Bonham Carter that year. And so and so the comic I worked with, she's like, "How many outfits did you let Helena Bonham Carter get?" <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "I want the Helena Bonham Carter treatment," and then they were like, "No, just one outfit for you." No, so you then, don't get that. <laughs> So then she ran around the store. She got a pants and a top. And then she started getting underwear. And they were like, yeah, you're pushing it. She's like, what about a belt and so, a coat? <laughs> she, she just came back. I need this keychain. It's one outfit. <laughs> I'm sorry. She still made me laugh, even though she. No, no, I get it. Quite it's, monstrous. It's, uh... <laughs> Give me the hell yeah, the I bottom. Mean... Carter treatment. Okay. Anyway, yeah, the elites—they have different. There's different rules. Duh. That's human nature. There are. There are. And, and and I will say this: as much as you, uh, mm. as much as a lot of people, I think, resent money, and like people, people who are wealthy, as like, oh, look how much power they have. I think what uh, it would be true in a free market that they would still have much more power, obviously, right? But it, it would be monetary power. Um, but there's something particularly evil that happens when you have a bloated state that can um, point that gun in the room at anyone they want and set any kind of regulations and do whatever because 
you know what captures that money money captures that bloated like the bloated state is captured by money yes it so if the state if you imagine a state that had very little power to regulate or do anything there's not a lot money can do to really influence it too much because it can't really do much it's massively constrained but when it can do whatever it wants Money will flow to get it to do whatever it wants. And now you've got this, which is where we are today, and we've been here for a while. You have this mess that is really hard to tease out what's non-government power versus what's government power. Is Pfizer government? Well, no, but yes, but kind of. Amazon, like, well, I don't know. They contracts with the CIA. Like, is Lockheed Martin government? Like, it's, they're not government. And I mean, the Federal Reserve is a great example. People are like, well, that's a private <laughs> group of banks. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> but not exactly, obviously. So it's, it's yeah, they're not answerable. They're private in that sense, but they have monopoly on a whole bunch of stuff. Like they are absolutely, clearly quasi-government organization. And it gets hard to separate these things out. And people rail against they mistakenly look at this and they say, look at all the capitalism. When you get money, then you get power. And that's the problem with capitalism. It's like, that's not capitalism. Yeah. Right. That the problem isn't capitalism in that case. The problem is it's, it's meshed with this monopoly on the use of force. And as soon as you do that, even practical businessmen who don't have evil intent are going to try and capture that power to use it for their advantage to make more money. And instead of being you, so now you get a, a class of elites that instead of just being good at making money in the free market, which requires providing services that people voluntarily pay for, which is a yeah. skill. Now you get people who are maybe okay at that, but also really good at buying politicians and getting legislation yes. passed and getting regulations passed and whining and dining AOC or whatever it is. Like it's they, you get a, a, a class of people who are good parasites at yes. the top yes con men and parasites they're good at working people yeah someone just said cronyism that's what it is and it becomes cronyism right and you know we can sit back here and people is now because russia's in the news we're like oh russia's an oligarchy is it really much different guys <laughs> i no. mean well like i guess we can name the oligarchs and it's more open and honest but I actually almost prefer that when it's more open and you can yeah. just see it because people here grow up with the illusion. I certainly was under the the spell of belief that America was unique because it was transparent and we have a free press. <laughs> Carter, you can't see what you look like Operation on my end. Paper clip. But while Sorry, I was God. saying that, you were frozen and you were in the middle of an eye roll and it was just like a permanent eye roll <laughs> happening. <laughs> you were like, Sorry, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I grew up with that illusion and I know people that are just waking up from it and are maybe starting to question things, they have, they've been under that spell. They believe our press is free. Right. They believe that. And that's almost worse. It's sort of how um, one of the things I noticed when I first started leaving my cult of belief that I've talked about with you before is a lot of people in my particular cult of belief and echo chamber, the social justice left, right? In that world, they're 
there are certain things that we are, um, it, it influenced, I would say brainwashed or somehow psychologically influenced to just cut certain things off. Not that we're responsible, not that we're not responsible for, for going along that path, but I'm saying there are influences at work that make it so that if you talk to a, a social justice person about, hey, you should check out this thing that just happened and you send them an article from um, the Daily Wire, they're going to immediately say, oh, the Daily Wire, and they're going to commit a genetic right. fallacy and they're not going to read it because it came from the Daily Wire. They're not even going to read it. It, it, the cult has told them they shouldn't interact with anything that's uh, that's toxic and that's a toxic publication. And they've cut off, they've cut off that Avenue in their mind where they can't even go there and trust themselves as an adult to read a conservative source and discern what is the fact in that source from the opinion. They don't even trust themselves to do that. So they'll cut that off. And so, but what, what I noticed when I started leaving that cult and I started reading conservative sources is that, isn't it interesting that the conservative sources at least usually tell you on the About Us page, they say, we're a right-leaning publication. If you go to the About Us page right. of Breitbart or Daily Wire, or what, they'll tell you we're a conservative publication. We want you to know that. If you go to the About Us section of BuzzFeed or CNN or the <laughs> New York Times... The most they trusted name in news. Yes, they pretend. They pretend mm -hmm. that they are not biased. They pretend that they are not coming from a certain ideological perspective. They are liars. And I almost prefer now that I'm out of that cult and I can interact with both kinds of media and I read both kinds. I prefer it. At least these guys are honest and they tell me, yeah. Hey, we're conservative. The left, their publications, they they're basically like serving you rat poison and telling you it's a chocolate cake. Like they're like, <laughs> right. Here's the chocolate yeah. cake. And you're like, at least tell me what the ingredients are. No. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Well, transparency, that's uh, that would threaten truth free speech. Um, right. Yeah, no, they can't do that. I, this is why and I know people sometimes get pissed when I say this, and I don't mean that I prefer China to the US. That's not my point. But like there are things about China that I like better in terms of the openness. It's like, well. They're not pretending to be about free speech. <laughs> and yeah. they, they don't it's pretend almost... that you have rights. It's like, yeah, there's a guy. He's in charge. We're authoritarians. Your tax <laughs> cattle. Like, okay. Yeah. I like, at least thanks for the honesty. You are assholes, but thank you for the honesty. At least yeah. you're honest assholes. Right. And I... we've, we're being run by like, it's Liars. for your own good. We're, it's okay. It's all for your own good. We're about freedom. We care about free speech. It's like, no, you don't care about any of that shit. You are, like just as authoritarian as China in your desires. You just can't get away with quite as much and you can't be as open about it all the time. Although you were oddly open about it during the pandemic at moments and no one seemed to care. Yeah. It's so weird. I saw a few years ago when I first moved to Texas. So this is right at the beginning of me leaving the social justice cult. My, it was at the beginning of this whole path. And I was looking at things a little differently. And I remember being in a movie theater and they played an ad for the New York Times. And the ad was like, in a time, it was something like in a time of fake news and mass deception, you need a you need you need someone to and give you Brian the real. Stelter. Yeah. I, I'm like, and I just bust out laughing <laughs> at the theater. Like, <laughs> wait a minute. And I wasn't even that much out of the cult yet. It just suddenly, suddenly I could see. Yeah. Whoa, why do you need to? 
propagandize about what a truth teller you are. Is it because you're not a truth teller? Like, <laughs> right. Hmm. It's like the people yeah. that put in their bios, like, you know, kindness. I'm a kind person. And then they like beat you over the head in the, in the way that they behave. And you're like, something's, something's odd here. <laughs> yeah. in your bio, you told me you were about kindness, but anyway. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. And, and just to, just to circle back with something that I find particularly scary about what you said earlier, when you, you said you, you compared um, the ratchet, they've like, they've ratcheted things up with COVID and you compared it to um, 9-11, how they ratcheted stuff yeah. up. And I think the example you used was the bank stuff. Another example is the TSA. Um, but one thing that I find pretty disturbing is that there are mainstream people acknowledging that, but in a, in a way that sanctions it. Like, I don't know if you saw the view the other day, but they had, um, you know, I don't watch the view normally, but I saw a clip of this and it was Whoopi Goldberg. And I don't even know who the other people are, but all of the people on the view, um, uh, of they, they, you know, they were against Bill Maher actually made fun of mask mandates, or whatever. He's like, yeah, hey, you know, we don't need this anymore. Um, they're all angry about that. And one of the people brought this up, but your point up as a reason that we should be okay with, a new normal of having to wear masks and do other stuff. And she was like, well, you know, after nine 11, a lot of people complained about the TSA stuff, but now it's normal. So like, kind of like, well, let's just, let's just get over wow. it and normalize it. Right. Like, Hey, Hey sheep, this is the new shape of the fence. Like, let's just be cool with it. Wow. That's amazing that they brought it up in defense of yeah. making. She something. was, she brought it up in defense of like normalizing the craziness mask. that's going on now. Wait, so has anyone She's shown like, I'll the... never be on a subway without a mask again in my whole life. <laughs> Carter, has anyone shown the view this new article on the Lancet? I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah. They, they said that they wearing would, I don't think they could read it. Well, the Lancet said they just said wearing masks is not gonna do anything. Well, but Carrie, it could. There's a small maybe a Fauci Fauci hasn't said it yet. Can I tell you something? I had this conversation with um, a friend, really smart guy, uh, brilliant, uh, very kind, open-minded on the left. Yes, they still exist. Uh, this is why I'm always saying like, it's still possible to reach people on the left. I know. And I, I, I hear from them all the time, people who have woken up. But anyway, this person on the left, um, was t talking to me about some stuff and and I said something about the global reset and the World Economic Forum. And this was interesting to me. This person's actually, like I said, they're smart. They've actually heard of it. A lot of people on the left haven't. They don't even know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. but yeah, th this guy was like, oh yeah, yeah. He's like the World Economic Forum. This, is, this was new to me. So I thought I would just mention it to you in case you have. He was like, oh yeah, that's just one organization. It's just one... Yeah, they have they have the great reset. Everybody's talking about like it's some big plan. That's just there's lots of different um, organizations and they all have ideas about how to best run the world. It's just one organization. And so I was like, so you don't believe that the world leaders are actually whether it's a concerted effort or not, that they're actually moving in the direction of the things that are laid out in the great reset. And he was like, no, 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 that's not happening. And I'm like, but OK, but what about in the in the U.S., for example? there's been a move to 
um, get rid of private property, small steps that are being taken. Like, for example, the CDC saying that private property owners can't evict anyone or the Biden trying to do this uh, vehicle tax where they institute a tax to discourage you oh, from right. having it and driving your own vehicle. There've been little things, little movements in this direction of discouraging property rights. Um, well, that's not part of anything. That's just people have different plans and policies and they're just trying out different things. I just, I, I, I just wanted to share that with well, you, Carter, because I thought it was interesting that, and I always want to make sure, I always want to evaluate that I'm not in another silo of belief. And I always, if there's somebody who disagrees with me, who I really respect, I want to hear their point of view on why. And so it was a great, it was a far reaching conversation, but that part of it was interesting to me because it's sort of like, you know what the great reset is, you know what the world economic forum is. And you also concede some steps moving in that direction of what they say they want to do, but you don't believe anybody is doing that. It, I don't really understand it. Yeah. I. So as someone rightly points out in chat, many organizations with the same 10,000 people in them or, or whatever, it's less than 10,000, but yeah, yeah. Many organizations all with the same leaders. It's not like, it's not like this is just one organization. It's like, well, Bill Gates has spoken there. George Soros speaks there. Like, it's world leaders. Like, it's, okay, it's just an organization, but not like the Girl Scouts, right? It's not just an organization. It's an organization with all of the world leaders pay attention and and go, right? Um, to, Like, they, they attend these summits and talk. So, okay, it's one organization, but it's a lot of influential. You could say the same thing about, you know, I don't know, NATO. Well, it's just one organization. Yeah, but they have a lot of power. <laughs> like it's a treaty with some countries. There's a lot of power there. Uh, so uh, I guess NATO is different, obviously, because it's not yeah. it's government backed. It's not, but you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, it's okay, fine. It's one organization. But I think that here's the danger. Um, what they'll do is they'll, they'll back you into position to a position where in order to argue against it, You've got to demonstrate some kind of evidence that it's a um, conscious conspiracy. Right. And whether Which, it's a conscious conspiracy is irrelevant. I agree. Um, the, what, the point is the ideas of the Great Reset are evil and bad. And the same ideas are implemented in the U.S. on various levels that move in the direction of the Great Reset. And those ideas are evil and bad. Whether or not they are a result of Joe Biden sitting down with Klaus Schwab and having a conversation about the next thing to do, or whether they're in where they're they are, which is more likely, they are the result of a uh, generally accepted uh, narrative and set of values and principles shared by the elites and expressed in a number of organizations, including the World Economic Forum, about their outlook for the world and what they think is good and, and what they think is bad and kind of their general sentiment. Well, you don't need to have an organized conspiracy theory to, to get be part of that culture and that sentiment and then take it home as a politician and start implementing things that are in line with that. Think of it this way. Um, if it was a religion, like an overt religion, they were all, uh, let's pick a real, they were all Scientologists, right? And they all went and there was, and let's say Scientology had very clear goals politically. 
And then they all went to their countries and some of the things they did kind of were like in that direction. Well, you it wouldn't necessarily need to be a conspiracy theory. Correct. Because just being a Scientologist, you kind of innately feel like doing the right thing that would prop- propagate Scientology. It's the same thing. They have a view. The view is that capital – first of all, their view is that they're elites because we've heard that, that, that you are tax cattle with like livestock. We know that's how they, they think about you. Um, they have a view that central planning is necessary, that we can't leave things to chance. We can't let you be. You need control. Someone in the charge has to control you. Um, and that it's their job to help uh, distribute resources properly, manage impact on the globe in some way, make sure you're doing the right thing, defined by like all that is shared ideology. It's all shared. Whether or not Klaus Schwab's got a, you know, five-year plan that Biden takes home and is enacting, that's kind of irrelevant, and it's unlikely that that's what's happening. What's happening is the ideology is seeping in to the ideology of the elites, and they're just off implementing the ideology, maybe on their own. Maybe sometimes it's not exactly the way that Klaus Schwab would implement it or whatever, and it's not because they're not taking the report card back to the World Economic Forum. They're just infected with really, really horrible ideology, and they're, and part of that ideology is that there should be an elite class centrally managing your fucking life. That is fundamentally what they believe. They don't believe that you are individually sovereign. They don't think you can make decisions that are right on your own. They don't think you should be free to do that. They think elites should control things, and if private property gets in the way of that, then private property be damned. Yeah. That's what they believe. Yeah. I, it's the same thing with social justice. I mean, it's hard to describe it to people who want to have some shadowy figure in a room who is coming up with this nefarious plan and this conspiracy theory. To, but it, it, that's not, you're not going to find that. There, there are architects of the ideas. There are the elites within social justice ideology. And there may be, there may be conspiracies in a few areas. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, but there's not some overreaching. It's just ideology has a life of its own. It's like, I I had to describe this to someone too, who was asking me about why do I use the term um, identity-based Marxism when I talk about social justice? Because it's the best way to describe what it is. One of the best ways I've found for people to get an understanding of what it is. But, you know, Marx is dead. We've talked about that. But his ideology is not. And his ideology mutates. The, The people that you would call like the classic Marxists, they actually hate the identity-based Marxists. They hate the social justice Marxists right, because it's a mutation of his ideology. It's 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 grown past him and it's something else. But it has roots there. That's where it came from. The whole like um, the oppressor versus the oppressed and how it's best to group to view people as as um, as groups as members of a group and treat them as a member of a group rather than as an individual. All that stuff's the same. Anyway, the point being, people who push social justice. These things, like at the beginning of the show, we were talking about this weird little uptick now in people on Twitter identifying as minor attracted persons, meaning mm-hmm. pedophiles. And there's this uh, there's this movement, this growing movement now within the woke left to validate and endorse. And well, first they're starting with first they're starting with destigmatize. We have to destigmatize pedophilia. So once they destigmatize it, then they'll normalize it. But first they have to destigmatize it. It's just like every progression we've talked about in this episode, like like with the banks and the government looking in your bank. 
we'll start here, then we'll move there, then we'll move there. Now, do I think there are people sitting around saying, we have to do this first, and then this is the next step, and then we get to full on being able to have sex with children without society frowning on it? No, there may be a few people saying that, but most of them are not. Most of them are going along with the stages as they happen. It's like, right. here's where we're at right now, destigmas, but, but they have no awareness. They've never thought forward to where all this leads. They're just kind of going along with where the ideology goes without saying, where does this ideology lead? Right. And as soon go? as someone points it out, you're a conspiracy theorist. I mean, the the, the conspiracy theorist um, uh, denigration or, or the, the derogatory phrase conspiracy theorist is hauled out almost every single time anyone bothers to look at the principle of something and predict the consequences. Yeah. Like it's immediately like, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. It's like, no, uh, this is a bad principle. You've seeded this principle. This is where it will go. They would have said the same thing when the banks, oh, well, we, we're going to look at $10,000. If someone said, well, someday they'll look at transactions less than $10,000, maybe down to 600. This is just a plan to roll out, you know, so they can st eventually take over everything. People would have said, you're a crazy conspiracy theorist. It's just $10,000. It's just for terrorism. Right? Yeah. And of course, and here we are. At six hundred, and we will be at one dollar. We'll be we will be at everything at some point. Everything. That's not a conspiracy. I don't even think that they are. I don't think there's many people even thinking that way of the elites that are like intentionally doing any of this. No. But it'll get there. But that's their ideology. There. It'll get there. Yes, that's the way. Once you've seeded, as you said, the seat given up the principles, it will get there. That's just a natural progression. So th this is a this is you'll appreciate this because I used to be a person who believed in socialized medicine even since you've known me and we've been doing the show my views yes. on this have been changing so i had a conversation my husband and i were, had a long drive yesterday and we were talking about some things and i was thinking about medicine and i was thinking about how um okay bear with me now i'm going to try i'm, I'm going to try i haven't articulated this well yet so there were these two uh, Supreme Court cases recently about the about the mandates, the, the vaccine mandates. And in one of them, the Supreme Court said, no, private governments can't, the government cannot tell private companies that they have to force an injection on their employees. They can't do that. The government can't well, tell. OSHA can't. That's what right. They said. Or they, well, okay. But they said OSHA, OSHA, Clearly, this part, right. this part of the government can't do that. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was one thing. Then the other case, they said, yes, the government can say that hospitals can force injections on their employees because why? Because they, if the hospitals receive Medicaid and Medicare as, as forms of payment, right. that's government. the same they, case to be clear. It was just a, it was one two, case. Two different, but two different decisions, right? On it was whether, a single decision that said only hospitals can only hospitals. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just want to clarify. It wasn't two cases. Okay. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure it was a single case, and they said okay. OSHA can't do this, but they can do it for hospitals. Okay, I'm somebody in the in the chat. Maybe I'm wrong. You can correct, but yeah. I thought it was one case. Correct. Correct. Anyway, anyway, the matter. point the point is two different decisions, and just to repeat for dummies because we got sidetracked. I'm a dummy, so it's okay. So first they said no, the government, at least OSHA, the government cannot tell private companies that they have to force injections on their employees. They can't do that. However, the government can tell hospitals that they have to force injections on their employees. Why? Because they receive money from the government in the form of Medicaid and Medicare payments. Okay. So that made me think about how, and I think I saw something from James Lindsay that made me think about this, how way back 
there were probably people like you and others who were like, hey, don't 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 get the government involved in healthcare because if the government's involved in healthcare, then they can decide what healthcare you can get and what they can force you to do. And and so now it's like one of the arguments they actually used is they said, they said the government gets to do this. Why? Because we pay for it. The government pays right. for Medicaid and Medicare. We therefore, pay for it. we right. pay for it, the government. <laughs> therefore, we get to say that you can, that you should, that you will force your employees to get injections. Why? Because we pay. So yeah. I, hearing it that way now, I was like, that was the final nail in the coffin I needed to where I'm like, no, I don't want government in healthcare. I used to, that was it for me. It would just happen this weekend. Do you remember, <laughs> like, do you remember how yeah. crazy people were or how, what we were called crazy when they said, well, again, this is one of these like examples where someone takes the principle and they say, well, this could happen. Here's a possible result. Death panels. Well, the government will end up deciding who lives and dies if the government's in charge of health. Oh, that's crazy. Well, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. The government will say, well, we pay for this. Therefore, yeah. These are the things we'll pay for for these cases, and these we won't. And you're already seeing now they won't give yeah. monoclonal antibodies to the wrong people if they're not, you know, like they they have, and they're and they're exerting this through pressure on hospitals. Like they have already basically decided to make life and death decisions for people. Yeah, that's they've already done that. They've you can't take this. You can't take these drugs because even though we know there's zero risk basically to taking them because they've been on the market for 40 plus years and very few side effects, and we know that uh, that there's very little risk, we're not going to let you try. Yeah. Well, that's a death sentence. That's what that is. That's Could be. happened. It's a potential that, death sentence. I mean, we saw that in the UK. Was it the UK? a few years ago and I didn't quite know what to make of it at the time, but it was a, these parents who wanted to take their child out of the hospital and, and take them, bring their child to America or somewhere else for treatment. And the doctors and said, no, it was you the UK, can't. I think, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the hospital, the government mm -hmm. said, no, you can't take your, your child, child has to die. Yeah. That's where we're going to get here. So I'm fully I now, think there. I think I'm, yeah. I'm fully on the side of they shouldn't be involved. And here, like, you know, it's good to have a safety net. A lot of leftists get, like myself, they get pulled into this place of thinking, without questioning it, of thinking that the government has to do everything. Well, not everything is the government's responsibility. That's the first thing, that's the first little thing you can start to think about if you're on the left and, and really wrestle with that. Is this the job of government? Yeah, I, I think there should be a safety net for people who need it in society who've fallen through the cracks. But is that safety net the job of is it is it the job of government to come to the population at the threat of force and say, we're going to take taxes from you. We're taking money out of your paycheck so we can create this safety net. And by the way, this safety net comes with strings attached and we can tell you that you have to get an injection if we want. <laughs> and right. like maybe the safety net is best provided through private charity through churches, course, through communities. Right. Like maybe the right. safety net isn't the responsibility of government. Instead of forcing forcing a safety net, it's like, why aren't, and we know people do. People who are on the conservative side, they do give more to charity. They do believe, they still believe more than we do on the left. And they believe more in having these, these privately funded- you Think how much they would give if they didn't have to pay taxes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean- yeah, the idea that the idea that um, that that the best way to do good 
is to start with theft is moronic. It is evil and it's moronic. You want to do good? You don't start with theft. You don't start by stealing someone's wallet to do good. You want to be charitable? It's not charity to steal someone's wallet and give it to someone else. That's not charity. Convincing someone to voluntarily give, you voluntarily giving, that's charity. But stealing someone else's money and giving it to someone else is not charity. Yeah. It's called theft. And what you do with the money after you take it doesn't clean it. It's not like you're trying to launder your money morally by saying, well, we're going to spend it on these good things. doesn't matter. It's tainted. You stole the money. Yeah. Uh, By the way, people say it was two Supreme Court cases, but they were argued at the same time. And the verdict (laughs) was was on the same day. But yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I was so I I was wrong. It's two cases. Also, I felt that one case. Rock Lexicon says I'm not like I'm not on the left anymore. I don't know about that, sir. <laughs> but we'll see. I'm not trying to push you to the right. I'm trying to get I you have. off of the. Oh, I've the never, time. I've never felt pressure. <laughs> I don't feel any pressure to be on the right or the left. I I'm don't. trying to push you. I'm trying to push you off the line. <laughs> I'm trying I'm to push not. everyone off the line. <laughs> what am I trying to do? I'm just trying to have conversations with my friend and also get people on the left more comfortable with opening their mind and using it. That's all. so crazy, right? Cause we used to think of the left as the open mind. Uh, yeah. It's so crazy. Like <laughs> I'm trying to get the left to be less authoritarian and closed minded. <laughs> like what? Like I, I feel like the, like someone from 40 years ago is like, what? 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 <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's like what the, you, did you just what? The fundamentalist yeah. right was like, you guys <laughs> can't listen to this or watch this or play these records, and the Smurfs are satanic, and uh, Metallica is the devil, and and then the and then the fundamentalist left is like, hold my beer. <laughs> you <Right>, can't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think Metallica is the devil? The founding fathers of the devil. Everything's yeah. the devil. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. You think whoa, the whoa. Smurfs are bad? We do. You listen <laughs> yeah. to the Daily Wire. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kids. <laughs> I forgot that the Smurfs were vilified. Was it because yeah. of magic? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, and Gargamel. <clears throat> Gargamel. That. All right. Um, let's do a couple of super chats. Okay. And then I really do. I want to at least like mention Ukraine right at the end. We don't have to talk about it much, but. Uh, Sean Awesome 77 says, now we know that when Meatloaf said, I won't do that, he meant to get the jab. R.I.P. He wouldn't. Yeah. And by the way, he said, I'll live with the consequences. I don't want to be mandated to do it. If I die, I die. I'm paraphrasing. Sweet Girl said, Walmart in Quebec now has plastic cubicles where unvaccinated customers have to wait for an employee to escort them to the pharmacy. <laughs> I tagged you on Twitter, Carrie. Ah. <sighs> That's crazy. Canada. Canada. Canada Vicious optimist. Okay. Canada is falling. Look, I'm telling you, again, we we just got to interview. If you guys haven't seen the ad, Carter and I on Friday did a live interview with Daniel Miller, who's running for lieutenant governor in Texas and also wrote the book Texit, which is a very interesting read. And I would suggest that you watch that interview. But but one of the things we talked about in it is people moving to red states and how there are a lot of cultural and economic and political refugees and those people 
like if you're in Canada and you can move here and you're you're a refugee in that way, we need you. Yeah. We want you because there are places that haven't fully uh, caved yet, these free states that are under attack and and we need you. I, here's a quick slogan. I'm going to share it because I know I know my preacher would be cool with me sharing it and and won't feel any ownership over it. Our church is getting ready um, to this coming year. We just had like a state of the union at a church service, which was cool. I didn't know that was going to happen. It was like, a, you know, come, a come to Jesus talk. <laughs> but anyway, in it, we talked about some goals for the coming year and they're getting ready to do like a, a sort of a campaign um, that's going to be keep Georgetown normal because nearby Austin, the slogan for Austin is keep Austin weird. I'm pretty and sure normal is uh, triggering just the word. Yes. Oh, you can, <laughs> yeah. Carter, you already know people are going to hate this. They're going to do radio yeah. ads and stuff. <laughs> keep, keep Georgetown normal. So I was thinking about what a great slogan that is and how triggering it is. Um, because yeah. it's almost like the, when 4chan did the, uh, it's okay being white and people got really mad like it's not okay to be white. They got really mad and uh, keep Georgetown normal is going to really bother some people. But I was thinking about it and you could say that for, I keep Texas normal. I want to keep Texas normal. You could make it bigger. Keep my, whatever your community is, feel free to take that and run with it. Keep this normal. Let's make normal, normal again. (laughs) (laughs) Normal legal. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's been this assault on reality. This assault on normality make normal normal again well because i mean philosophically normality is the problem right i mean that's that's marcus's point normality is the problem precisely because it's normal it 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 naturally stifles abnormality therefore abnormality needs to be lifted up and normality needs to be stifled like that's the yeah it's wrong because it's normal yeah that there's that's how bad philosophy works. Um, yeah. Vicious Optimist says stock market is poo at the moment. So here you go. Grab a coffee. History is not going to be nice in judgment of the current political figures or those who put them there. And he gives us 50 bucks. Thank you, Vicious Optimist. Well, thank um, you. I would put it in Bitcoin, but it, that's also down. Uh, so lumber's not down by lumber. <laughs> lumber's not down. <laughs> I've mentioned the cost of lumber so many times now you think I work for the lumber industry. I'm just really, uh, it, anyway, it's expensive. Yes, it is expensive. <laughs> Hattie Dave says, be the change. Gardeners and knitters unite. Gardeners and knitters can unite. Thank you. Um, Gene Ellis says, buy low. Yeah, I mean, so I guess buy. You don't buy the wood now. Now, now is not the time to start buying wood, I guess, unless you think it's going to keep going. Up. Um, all right, I guess we're just—I guess we can basically be done. I just want to mention this Ukraine thing because it's—I uh, think it's really related. Quick. I think it, it might be related to some of the COVID stuff. I'm not totally sure. I think they're hoping that we have another shiny object. They—they are about to get in. They are. You had conservatives for the past couple of years yelling about how. Uh, they viewed themselves as uh, individualists and blah, 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 against the mask, man- mask mandates. Blah, blah, blah. It's just the moment the deep state war machine gets a little itch to do something, they're all like, yeah, yeah, don't let Russia. Blah, blah, blah. They, they're just like, they're all about war. Um, it is, if you like, look, 
the U.S. is responsible for where we are. They have been rattling their sabers, goading Russia constantly. They're trying to force the Ukraine. There's no reason the Ukraine needs to be in, the, in, in NATO. There's no reason for us to be in a mutual protection agreement with the Ukraine. No one cares. This is all created, uh, instigated by the U.S. and their policy post uh, collapse of the USSR. They did their color revolution. They're trying to get as many, they're trying to park missiles on Russia's border. We don't need to be doing this. We don't need to be doing this. And the Warhawks are, are now coming out in full force saying we need to prevent, you know, we need to prevent Putin from doing this and that and the other thing. And we don't know. Do you really want another fucking war? We were not even, we just left Afghanistan a mess, by the way, and a failure. We, we, you want another war, but this time you want it with a nuclear superpower? You want a proxy war with a nuclear superpower because you care so much about what? Kiev? Yeah. You care about you, the Ukraine that much? Yeah. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. It's absolute. It, it, is, it is old school, police the world, like conservative war hawk bullshit. Do you think and it needs to stop. Is it weird how the how these elite they use different things to get different um, so called sides to yeah. get on board with authoritarianism and, and expansion of government and a bigger federal government? Like they use for conservatives, they use uh, threats of terror and they use uh, war and they use you know they use they use that. But then for the leftists, they are using health scares and racism it's like they use different things but yeah. they but both in both case it, it's almost like i can you can imagine them again it's not shadowy figures in a room but you could imagine them being like okay the left's like we've done our job we've got them all on board with this we've moved the football this far yeah. okay right get in there right now it's your turn and they're like okay war guys war and then we yeah. move it further yeah <laughs> russia and russia is like this magic t token that they have because like they could use it to get the left all agitated for the last several years. My Russia, my Russia, Russia collusion. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, all the left hates Russia now. And now the right's all like, yeah, Russia can't let Russia do that. Oh, we're going to fight Russia. Like, wow, they are this magic thing that we can all like everyone can be pissed about Russia for no apparent reason. Putin doesn't want to go to war with us. Putin doesn't, doesn't want to do anything to us. He's not he's not trying to be uh, like he's not trying to like take over Canada or Mexico or park missiles in Cuba. Like they're not trying to do anything. They're not trying to expand to the West. We have a false narrative on Crimea, which was, you know, by the way, Russian since the 1780s, right? We have this false narrative about, Oh, the, they took that against the will of the Crimeans. That's, which is not true. They speak Russian and they wanted to be part of Russia. Like the whole thing is, the whole thing is stupid. And we have, if you can't see through the fact that this is a war machine psyop, please just go like read, like read some Scott Horton, read something about this stuff and, and realize that this did just, this is another fucking yellow cake bull crap. It's, it's another, we don't need another war. Our economy is toast. Like we, <laughs> We've got massive inflation. We've got plenty of problems to worry about right at home. We don't need to kill more people. We don't need to kill more people in the Ukraine. We don't need to kill more people of our – we don't need to send our own people there to die. We don't need to be rattling sabers and trying to be the world's police. Leave it alone. I really think there's something, though, to this. It's sort of – they rattle the sabers on the left. 
then they rattle the sabers on the right. And they have to keep doing that because there's this threat of at any point, it's sort of on the right right now, you have a lot of people who are rightfully so questioning the whole right left thing anyway, who are questioning this whole dichotomy of is the most important thing about whether you're on the right or the left. I don't think so. It's whether you're an authoritarian right. or an individualist, but, but you've got people questioning that. So now it's time to get the right on board with authoritarianism. Right. It's time to get the right on board with um, rah, rah, common good, public good, America, you know, yeah. that, and let's go to war, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I know. I know. You gave me people in chat. You're so wrong on this, Carter. I, look, I, I'm not about not protecting ourselves. I like, please make an argument for why going to a proxy war with Russia is somehow helpful to normal people in the United States. It doesn't fucking matter. We don't need to be the world's police. We don't. And look up the history of Crimea, which is being used as a narrative to, to paint the narrative that uh, that Russia has been just like horribly annexing stuff they shouldn't and whatever. Like, uh, you know, should they go in and invade Ukraine? No, they, they shouldn't. But like, do I want to send Americans to go die to deal with that? Nope. And I don't want to get in war with Russia over it either. Somebody says Crimea River. <laughs> nice. Sorry, I had a pun. It's a pun. Uh, so can we, before we end, can you, can you put up these images? Actually, just put the link to the tweet, Beverly. I know it's one final thing, but... It's cool. Do your thing. We haven't talked about this yet. And click on what that. Click oh, on the headline. Yeah. So Biden, I just thought this is a, a, another example of how we were talking about how when you lie to me, it's worse. I would rather you just be open. So we have this we have this supply chain crisis and we have uh, bare shelves. Biden was trending. And so he apparently addressed it. Someone asked him about it in a recent press conference. And here's a headline. He says, 80%. Biden. Yeah, Biden touts that 89 percent of grocery store shelves are full. And if you click on the next little I just excerpted a piece excerpt. I took an excerpt of a piece of the article. It says, quote, notwithstanding, this is from Biden, notwithstanding the recent storms that have impacted many parts of our country, the share of goods in stock at stores is 89% now, which is barely changed from the 91% before the pandemic, Biden said. I often see empty shelves being shown on television. 89% are fully, which is only a few points below what it was before the pandemic. <laughs> So I wanted to share this because that's absurd. That's, there's no way your own eyes tell you that's not true. Go to the next picture. These are some pictures from my grocery store a couple nights ago. And the whole store is like this. It, there's random parts that are stocked and other parts that aren't. If I if I took a picture of every one, I, I only took two photos. But if I took a picture of every section of the store like this, you would see, I mean, there's lots of these. We're just, and it's been like this now for a while. And we were just kind of getting used to it. But people are taking these photos and hashtagging them bare shel shelves Biden and he doesn't like it. If he had just admitted that we have a supply chain crisis going on, that's better. That's better. I can deal with that better than the lying. Don't lie to me. Don't gaslight me and say it's 89% full. It's only 2% less full than before the pandemic. That's a dirty lie. That just bothered me. Yeah. The lie's worse. The lie's worse. I mean... I don't even know if I trust the number. Like, I don't. 
Yeah, I mean, where do you even numbers. get those numbers? Before app, like I, I don't know. No, but I do know that I'm not used to seeing empty shelves, and now I do. So, yeah. like that's that's oh. really all I know. <laughs> Lisa in chat, she's from Georgetown, my town. She says, "Is that ghetto HEV? Yeah, that's the ghetto one, Lisa. <laughs> it's near where my I live. Anyway, I just think it's funny. There's a local who recognizes that store. Yeah, uh, no bananas, but yeah. Anyway." Don't lie. Don't lie. Just tell the truth. <sighs> okay. Yep. Um, all right. I guess we should end the show. People are still arguing about. I didn't say all of Crimea was Russian. It's hard in two minutes to like give some nuanced view. But the point is. Yeah. Crimea was part of Russia in 1780. It was given to the Ukraine during the Soviet Union era. Because it didn't matter. They both have to report to the Kremlin. So who the fuck cares? Uh, it's not like this historically Ukrainian thing. Right? Uh, in, in some major sense. And you can say, well, they kicked people out in 1780. Yeah. Sure. Like, if you're, we start to go that far away, we've all kicked people out. And that's like, yeah. Sure. And by that, we should be doing our, you know, land attributions before unsafe space. Because this wasn't always part of the United States. Fine. I just don't want to, I just, I'm tired of war and I'm tired of conservatives being duped into war in countries that just don't. It's like, I don't, mm -hmm. Jesus, conservatives. The fuck? All right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, I just want to remind everybody, please go check out my new channel, Deprogrammed with Carrie Smith. Um, yes. I should call it Deprogrammed with Latigra so it gets more subscribers tigers 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 deprogram tiger presents <laughs> tiger brings you deprogrammed um it's going to be a great channel full of golden girls analogies i'm kidding i'm just joking um and then also we have book club coming up this weekend crime and punishment on sunday you can go to unsafespace.com and go to the book club page. It's always free to join and participate. We're doing crime and punishment by Dostoevsky. And we appreciate seeing you all there. Yes. And Beverly's reminding me in chat this Wednesday for dangerous thoughts. It's a weird one because someone in our community wants to, I'll say debate, but like a discussion, they want to argue about atheism versus agnosticism, which I think is a kind of a nuanced fine point, but they're very fired up about it. And I said, well, why don't we just do it on the show? So we're going to do that on the show and see if I'm completely wrong. Um, can you, Beverly, can you paste Carrie's new channel into chat? Because someone's asking what the link is. And uh, we should just put it in chat um, so that they can find it. Oh, there you go. Um, all right. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching. And we will see you Wednesday for Dangerous Thoughts, Friday for Coffee Break, and probably some other stuff that I don't know uh, in between now and then. But have a good one. Bye. Thanks for spending your time with us today. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. So go check it out. 
And please consider supporting the Unsafe Space team by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. Please download this updated list of contagious individuals. Use the hashtag GetBoosted to receive two complimentary Liberty Pellets. Mass formation psychosis is just a right-wing talking point. Please purge it from memory and resume your programming. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.